Welcome to the podcast is dedicated to making you a faster cyclist. The Ask a Cycling Coach podcast presented by Trainer Road. I'm Coach Jonathan Lee here with our head coach, Chad Timmerman. Hi, everybody. And our CEO, Nate Pearson. Hello, athletes. <laughs> that was more than a hi this time, Nate. Good job. Um, I like to keep you guys on your toes. Yeah. And we're going to answer more of your coaching questions today. Um, before we get into that, a number of you submitted questions uh, just asking for some clarification. We're talking about muscle soreness and how that would affect subsequent workouts, you know, if you do the workout or if you'd adjust it or anything else like that. Um, and there were some misunderstandings there, Chad, do you want to clarify that a bit? Yeah. So the three of us actually had a pretty extended and somewhat heated discussion on this. And, and what it came down to is that some people can tolerate higher levels of muscle soreness and still see important gains, fitness gains. Nate's one of those people. Um, I'm not. So when I, when I start getting sore to the touch muscles, I know it's time to back off or things are going to start to trend downward. So you just kind of have to figure out, you know, what is limitingly sore to you? What can you actually work through and still see fitness improvements over the, you know, the longer course? And, you know, what makes it very clear that it's time to shut it down and uh, experience some more recovery? And ideally, I would never have sore legs because I I kind of like through a four-week block, I'll have three weeks of sore legs and then one week of like during my recovery week at the very end that's what this is this week, I'll feel better. Yeah. So the things that I'm working on for, this is what we're talking about is DOMS, delayed onset muscle so, syndrome. Soreness. Soreness, soreness. Um, is I've noticed a correlation between carbohydrate intake. I never used to have this sore legs when I was a triathlete, but I would eat like tons and tons and tons of food and I'm doing less carbs now. And I, I kind of feel like when I eat more carbs before, after, and then the next day, my legs recover faster. Um, Calcium magnesium play a role, so I'm going to try to supplement those a little bit more. Um, I read something that tart cherry juice might help, which um, that's like all the rage. It's like N- beet nutrient, juice was two years ago. N- nutrient comp- composition and nutrient timing do have a, a marked yeah. effect on muscle recovery. I'm worried about the uh, the, the tart ger- cherry juice. They say take it before for to reduce DOMS, but it does have antioxidants in it. Yeah. And antioxidants in it has been shown to make it so you don't actually damage your muscles it, as much. Arguments on both sides. The, yeah, uh, and you don't get as fit. Yeah. The the moral on that part right there is you search, the, you, you give it a Goog long enough and you'll find whatever you want, right? So <laughs> if, you keep, if you keep searching. Yeah, so. there isn't too much research out there that can be refuted with uh, seemingly as adequate research, you know, as, as uh, bankable. Right. But I, it, I, I think it's pretty solid that... Um, well, I don't know if it's really solid, but antioxidants taken right after a workout can reduce your um, response, like your training response. Yeah, but then it's argued that it blunts the body's natural physiological response. That's what I mean, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so it, it makes it so you don't get as fit. Exactly. But you don't get cancer, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's a... <laughs> yeah. Because like, there's... you there's, uh, right, so taking more antioxidants does reduce your risk of cancer. That's um, what I've read. Cancer. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. I've read that it also hinders recovery. So yeah, it's so what, tough. What my goal is is to be like Chad and never have well, sore muscles. Not never, but just well, very infrequently. Yeah. Chad's just super tough. <laughs> he has sore, his his threshold so his oh, pain threshold so high. It. And if I find any, this is a n equals one study of myself, and this is not scientific. But if I find any patterns that help, I will tell everyone. One thing that I think helps is higher carb intake and oatmeal. I I've been using oatmeal. 150 calories to 300. Yes. Yeah, N equals one. Don't listen to me. Yeah. And 300 calorie. So I do one, 150, which is a half scoop dry. If it's like the night before, or I'm going to do a workout in the, in the evening or later on the afternoon, if I'm going to do a big ride in the morning, I'll do twice that one scoop of dry, one scoop of dry 
produces a ton of cooked oatmeal, mm-hmm. but it's only 300 calories. And I've always, I've had my, I've done it like five times now on big rides and they've all been fantastic and my legs feel good. Huh. And no, it reduced muscle soreness after that or? Yeah. It, it, let's separate effort, yeah, perceived, yeah. perceived exertion for, to, to so meet the power target versus the, um, when I take them the night before, I feel like my muscles do feel better the next day. Um, Less sore, you meaning? Yes. And then when I take them before the ride, I feel strong during my ride. But Interesting. that could all be in my brain. N equals one. Yep. yep. And you know what? As long as it doesn't make me too fat, don't tell me any different. Because then <laughs> <laughs> if I'm getting faster, I'm getting faster. Let's move on to Emil's question. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Hey guys, thanks for an awesome map, awesome app. It is taking my riding to the next level. Good to hear. Uh, question: My main events for the year here in Australia are two three-stage events in December and May. They consist of day one, 12-kilometer individual time trial, and an 80-kilometer flat but windy road race in the afternoon. Uh, day two is a one-hour criterium with 200-meter ramp at seven percent. And the loop is 900 meters. I won this tour last year by focusing on the TT and performing well in the road racing crit and plan to focus on the TT again this year, but I'm torn between sustained build or general build. And for those that don't know, those are different build plans that we have, um, but have no idea which specialty plan I should pick. Uh, thanks for any advice. Uh, Emil, the uh, stage races are, are kind of their own animal uh, in that they push everything together and, and the strategies and how to excel in them can uh, boy, take a lot of shapes. In your case, you've already got some, some, some approach to this. You target the time trial and then I'm guessing you defend your lead from there. Um, it, because of that, I think your focus is, uh, it's going to be better suited to probably the sustained build, or I'm sorry, the general build. You can kind of go either ways with either way with that. I mean, if you're just looking to kill the TT with really high sustainable power and then just kind of hide for the rest of your racing, go sustained. But if you actually want to race all those races, general is definitely the way to go. So let's talk about like if someone's not a trainer or user, what's the difference between general and sustained in our plans and how could somebody then train that way for... Yeah. Okay. So general build, we basically target three things. Your, you know, your VO two max power. So your power at the, you know, the height of your aerobic uptake, breathing as hard as you can. This is how much power comes out. And then, um, we sprinkle that in with a whole lot of muscle endurance, which is just being able to work hard, you know, um, avoid fatigue for, for long periods of time. So lots of work over longer durations. Um, and then we sprinkle in with the general plan, more specifically bits of anaerobic work where you're working well above 120% of threshold, really, really hard sprint like efforts. Whereas a sustained approach, we target far more the muscle endurance aspect of it. There's some VO2 max work done, but it's with the intention of raising your sustainable power, not really teaching you how to endure those two and three minute bursts. That, that crit kind of looks like a slaughter fest. I mean, if you look at it, 200 out of the 900 meters is climbing at 7% according yep. to all. Yep. Which is another reason Ouch. I lean towards the general build because you it it hits more of those um the sustained build does include some vo2 max work but the the uh general build is just more well-rounded it's more suited to stage racing if you plan to really engage all three events yeah i'd assume that there's a at least a short bit of descending within that criterion and you may be pedaling your way through it but that does mean that your power profile with that course is probably going to vary and that's going to get the whole pack very excited with a course like that so tt is pretty short it is. it is, which is why my next recommendation for the specialty plan is for you to do the rolling road race plan, but I also want you to kind of mash it with the 40K TT plan and take out your 
Tuesday workout from the, the uh, 40, or I'm sorry, take the Tuesday workout from the 40K TT plan, slot it into your Thursday workout in the rolling road race plan in place of it, because that is far more specific. Those efforts are 108% repeats, and that's much more in line with what you're going to experience in your TT. So the, the workout that he's inserted in are, is like a low super VO, threshold, super threshold. Yep, exactly. And what's it going to replace? Um, I, it took out a, some really obviously anaerobic work, which I okay. don't think he needs as much focus on. Cool. cool. Yeah, that makes sense. And, that, and I've done that, by the way, that similar approach with um, subbing out. I've, I've mm-hmm. picked a specific day because usually the training plans, let's say you have Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday workouts, something like that. And uh, usually Thursdays tend to follow a common thread and Tuesdays may follow a different one. But usually week to week, it's you can count on that day kind of being similar demands. Yeah, and, and you, I mean, if you know the structure of your interval workouts, I mean, if you're indoors Tuesdays and Thursdays and you need those workouts to be something more specific to your type of training or your approach to, you know, in this case, stage racing, then definitely mix those things up. Don't feel locked into a plan just because for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good way to, to supplement things if you want to test it out and see how it works. So that sounds really fun. I wish I was doing that, that stage race. Yeah, that, that does sound fun. It sounds fun. So. But there's a TT. Yeah, that part doesn't sound fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's short though. That's, That's like me. a John 10, doesn't like TTs. Minute I don't. Chad and I like TTs. I, I, I think I th- and I want to be clear. I think like that's probably the pinnacle of like engineering and with bikes and all this stuff. And it's really cool. It's also a, eliminating variables. But when I actually ride a TT, I'm not. I'm not happy. So um, I choose not to do have it. You ever had a TT bike? I never have. Yeah, I'm so sure you get you on a slick TT bike and you win your TT, <laughs> yeah. you'll be like, this is awesome. Yeah, I love this it. is great. Exactly. You've always done on road bikes. So you're like, I hate them. Yeah, I hate and I hate nothing more than losing. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Jory, I hope I'm saying that name right, too. These are tricky ones. Uh, great post on alcoholic intake in combination with cycling. That was a hot topic there for a while. Uh, any idea about the effects of non-alcoholic beers? Yeah, Jory, I dug into this a little bit because I know very little about non-alcoholic beer. But uh, the, <laughs> the alcohol about regular beer, though. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. I learned a lot last week, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was in Colorado Springs. We'll talk more about that later. The alcohol content in non-alcoholic beer doesn't exceed 0.5%. That that's, uh, seems to be the limitation on it. So there is some in there, but it's not enough to make any any uh, difference in, in your, your performance or how you feel unless you drink a whole ton of it, um, which is... You know, pretty unlikely. So in terms of alcohol, don't worry about it. The worst I could dig up on non-alcoholic beer is that they contain aflatoxins. And those are uh, apparently produced by certain molds found in food, and they can cause liver damage, liver damage and cancer. But again, the quantities would have to be so excessive that it's not even a realistic concern. So, and, so go forth and enjoy your non-alcoholic beer. Would those toxins That's possible? Yeah. <laughs> would those toxins be included in normal beer as well, or I should say, alcoholic beer? Yeah, I don't. I didn't look at what particular. I don't know. I, I can't say. I don't but, know. I mean, should yeah. people even be worried about that? Because I think you just saw a study and it was like, that's that, you need, what I'm saying is that's the worst I could dig up with it. Yeah. So it seems right. to be almost exactly. as it's safe like as It's like eating water. carrots to turn your skin orange. You need yeah. to eat a lot, a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah. more than you can possibly consume. Exactly. So the, the other thing to think about too, is just there's the calorie, it's carb drink. It's like a hot dog. I'm just looking at Beck's non-alcoholic beer, 143 calories, hmm. hot dog and bun, 150 calories. So Enjoy your liquid hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I'm not sure you're getting the benefit but maybe there. Maybe it would make but... your uh, legs less sore. And for, from somebody that doesn't... Uh, maybe that's what's missing, eh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not alcoholic beer. Yeah. From somebody that doesn't drink beer, I, I, there are plenty of other things that uh, you can take, and it'll make you sound like no fun, but 
chug down a recovery drink, do something else if you really need something to drink. But if you want to celebrate with the boys or something else, then I guess it could be an It's all option. about your priorities, man. Yep, no doubt. Sergio, uh, hey guys, first of all, thank you for building such an amazing training tool. Even though I don't race, I got into Trainer Road to be faster and be able to keep up with those who race. This has also helped me train for our trip across the U.S. If I could, I'd give you 50 stars. It's pretty <gasps> that awesome. sounds like voter a new pride. Yeah, yeah, it does. We're, we're recording like this on election day in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is, uh, this is the, we've mentioned Sergio before, so uh, kudos, Sergio, on getting across the country. He says, my wife and I just got back from cycling across the U.S. and taking some time off the bike. I'm ready to ride, so I'm wondering what program I should choose. I'm, uh, and he says in quotes, a big guy at 190 pounds and six foot one, and climbing is my weakness. After being on the bike for 64 days and taking a month off, should I skip, uh, should I skip base um, and jump into sustained power build and then climbing road race? Or do a few weeks of base, uh, then sustain power and finish off with that climbing road race plan? Thanks for your input. Keep up the awesome work. I just want to put out watts. So do we. So Sergio, it kind of depends on how much time you have to train. Um, I typically almost never steer someone away from base training if they have the time to do it. If, however, you don't have the time to do it, it sounds like you're probably pretty good to go. Um, but if you have the time to do it, there's a lot of things that you may not get when you're working uh, at that the effort you guys are working to ride long days like that. Yeah, that's one thing that um, base doesn't just mean that you spend a lot of time mm -mm. pedaling. You know, that, that there's still specificity in there. Yeah, I mean, you can go, you do these long days at maybe 50% uh, intensity factor, right? 50% of threshold. Uh and you bump that up 10, 15%. So you're still not really working that hard, but you're going to get a higher level of, of slow twitch fiber fatigue, which has a different aerobic response, a different conditioning response. So it may not seem like you need base having been on the bike for these long days and so many of them, but the, the intensity level may or may not be what it, what is necessary. And this is kind of reverse engineering this to a, to a bit, or to, I guess to a degree. So, so grain of salt, but, um, on, I, I, this year, I don't feel like I have a very good aerobic base. And that's been, that's been very apparent through cyclocross racing because having that aerobic base helps when you're talking about putting out those repeated efforts, right, Chad, and, and kind of the bridge between those peaks Sweet. and, and I've noticed that that's down. Just, just keep in mind, any, any sort of interim recovery between intervals is 100% aerobic. You right. can't recover anaerobically. Yeah, the processing so, is an aerobic process. And since I missed out on the majority of the year of training because of a knee issue and everything else, I... I You're a baby, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> You're true. You're being a daddy. Yeah, yeah. And so with those things affecting that, I've really noticed that I lacked uh, an aerobic base, comparatively speaking. Uh, that... Everest ride that I did, we were at 50% FTP at the end. It was a 0.5 IF, right? And I honestly, if it weren't for knee pain that I had, I, I felt like I just could have kept going for a long time. So a lack of aerobic base, I guess it's, it's not. And see, well, well that, that also proves another point. The fact that he could keep going yeah. means, means he was never really reaching a point of overload. And that mm -hmm. overload is what's necessary exactly. to bring about these improvements. If we had gone up to 0.6, very different story. Uh, it doesn't seem like a whole lot, but at that mm, point, point. I, I would have felt something very different on that ride and it would have been very hard to finish. I mean, it was hard anyway, but really, really hard. So yeah, I, I would consider that. I think too, um, since he's not, he just wants to beat a people that race and he doesn't have a specific event, sweet spot base. Mm -hmm. Like don't, I wouldn't go into traditional base right now, go sweet spot base, whatever volume you want, then go into building, go to specialty and just repeat that cycle over mm -hmm. and over again. Give yourself some some rest. It's almost like you'll be in three years, you'll be stronger because you don't have to like change your schedule on these arbitrary dates that people have. Yeah. And, like, you know, things don't fit exactly. You can just like 
wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat over and over, <laughs> over again. Be and just, yeah. just get all the watts. Sergio, you'll be dropping them all. Yeah. And you will be putting out watts. Yeah. No, get all the watts. Yeah. No watts for anyone else. Uh, let's move on to John's question. He says, hello. First of all, huge fan of the podcast, five stars. <laughs> Thank you, John. And for anybody else listening right now, you can leave us five stars. Yeah. We love that. We like and that. if you don't want five stars, email support at trainer.com. And then we can find out how we can get those we'll five stars right. from you. Yeah. I discovered it three weeks ago and have made it through the full backlog of e- backlog of episodes. In three weeks. That's that's amazing. Uh, Will spending endless hours driving up and down the UK for work. So John John's actually pretty. T- uh, so John, I must admit, when I read that, I f- I pictured like a kind of a overweight trucker, you know, like just because you mentioned driving up and down the country the whole time. Turns out you're not. You say. Mm-hmm. A bit about me, I'm a 27-year-old UK-based age group triathlete who's competed at multiple world championships at Olympic and middle distance. Whoa. Yeah, you're a beast, mm-hmm. uh, with current focus in competing in full distance events. This last year, I competed at Ironman Sweden uh, in uh, in August of 2016, forgive me, and greatly exceeded my expectations with a 912 uh, with a 446 bike split. That is amazing. John's pretty legit. Yes. Yeah. Really fast. I have to say, I put most of the success down to my two to three sessions a week on trainer road for eight months leading up to the event. Thanks for delivering a simple and effective uh, winter product. story. I know, so right? We need to contact John. Yeah. Ding, ding. That's pretty good. Um, now this is long winded, but on to my question, my next day race is in September of 2017. So quite a long way away. Um, after I had, uh, a few weeks off the bike post Ironman and jumped into one of your training plan sweet spot based low volume so it looks like he's into sweet spot based low volume right now my plan is to complete all of sweet spot base and sustained power build which should take me into february or march where i plan to do some duathlons and they're going to be b races he notes and attempt to qualify for european champs following which i will look at starting the full distance low volume base build and specialty plan uh, I don't think work or girlfriend commitments will allow me to do anything higher and i maxed out this year at around 14 hours a week so during this, I'll be doing some Grand Fondo style events with most notably the Tap to Tour um, in July. So he's, in other words, he's going to have a lot of stuff going on. But my final question, he says, does my approach for sweet spot, then sustained power build, or sweet spot base, then sustained power build, then full distance base, then the full distance build, and then the full distance specialty sound like a good thing to work towards? Or do you think this is too much structure and intensity and I'll struggle towards the back end of 2017 leading into my race? I'd really appreciate your views on this. Yeah, John, I really think somebody as fit as you is going to have a hard time burning out on a low volume approach, no matter how you line it up. Mm. So I think if it sounds good to you, it probably is. And I, I don't want to jump in and, and, and fill the role of your coach's shoes in an instant when you are obviously a very qualified competitive athlete. So I, I think if you think it's a good idea, it's probably a good idea. Um, it doesn't, there's nothing about that that sounds unsensible or insensible to me. I think it sounds great too. And this is something we've kind of stressed or it's a good motivator and good for your training is he's, so he's got a race really far away in September, but he's going to target his duathlons earlier in the year, February, March time, and kind of do a build leading to that. It's something to train for in the near term. He's with, as a triathlete, he can get his run and, um, bike even faster during that mm-hmm. time. Yeah. John, if I, if I Take could a bit sit of down with you and, and if you laid your, your, uh, intentions out with me, I would probably structure something almost identical to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then those grand fondos, like, I don't know, do they allow TT bikes and grand fondos? Most don't. Yeah. Either way though, it'll be a great time to have like a, a fun outside aerobic exactly. effort. That's Hopefully, with the distance, something similar to an Ironman. And that, that, that's you can more, even do it at the Ironman pace. That's something mm-hmm. I'd be more concerned with when we're looking at burnout, is that you're not enjoying any of this. So if you can do something that's sheerly for the fun of it, I think that's a, a, a total boon. Yeah, yeah, it sounds great. 
Yeah. Uh, it sounds fun, actually. I want to do it. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, good Good on you, John. James, hi there. Clearly, all the training is based on indoor training, as this is, primary, as this is the primary use of the app. Um, so he's pointing out there that he says the intent is all indoor. However, are the training plans anticipating that outdoor cycling is done at other times during the training week? Uh, I.e., should I try and replicate indoor training when training outdoors, or should I add to the program at the outdoor sessions I plan to do? Yeah, James, in terms of the high-intensity stuff, I think most of the plans, in fact, all of them, even the low-volume ones, probably already have enough intensity. So anything you decide to do outside, it should either be a substitute for an existing high-intensity workout or could be additional but lower intensity and something that's uh, either recuperative or gentle to the point where you're not sacrificing the quality of your tougher workouts. I think actually the um, this is how my approach is all of the intensity I tr- especially the weekday intensity, I try not to do outside at all. Yeah, we and always then, encourage people to do the tougher stuff inside. Yeah, yeah, and then the one that I replace is the longer mm-hmm. aerobic workout. So if there's a... But like like the sweet spot base, for instance, I mean, the weekend workout will be over-unders or something. And I still yeah, consider yeah. that a tricky enough workout that I'd recommend most athletes do it inside. There's just a, a higher oh, chance of higher quality. Over-unders are really tough to, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of precision to over-unders and mm-hmm. in terms of where you're at in intensity and... And it's, those, it's tough. Those longer endurance rides where you just basically have to log multiple hours at, you know, 60, 70%. I, I, I'm super hard pressed to do those indoors. Yep. And then what, so this is what I've been doing and I'm not sure if this is a good approach or not. So you can say Nate's dumb, but so just in the last couple of weekends, my, um, my wife wants to ride with me outside, which is awesome and do these long workouts. You know, the cyclocross plan usually has a intense workout and then a, um, a longer aerobic workout on the weekend. And what I've been doing is just a really long workout and almost putting, I, I combine the TSS of both days and I look at the calories and I try to hit the TSS of both days into one day. Mm-hmm. So I know it's not probably ideal, especially if I, if I was going to focus like the cyclocross district champs was going to be my A, I'd be doing those Saturday rides inside because yeah. it's really the specificity of that intensity well, that would make me win that. That's what you're but I'm thinking about next year. Yeah. yeah. So if you're, I mean, you, you have what's important to you in mind. You're not just lumping them together and hoping for the same um, intended Outcome. effect. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, you'll miss out on a bit of the specificity, but you're trying to grow aerobic base for a subsequent season. So yeah, exactly, sounds like yeah. a good idea. For the next, like for the next two years. Like that's what I'm thinking of right now. Yeah. Um, although it, it would be good. I, I still think I would be more, um, I would get faster if I would have done the Saturday ride inside and then the Sunday ride, just because around here too, it's hard for us to remain pedaling the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I noticed such a great response in my legs when I do a two hour trainer ride or and two and a half. Stop pedaling. And I never stop yeah, pedaling. Seriously, unless you have a two hour climb, then you're not going to get the same quality of workout. It's pretty rare. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also like we just talked about in the last one. It's fun to go outside sometimes. And it's yes. fun. Like we hired a babysitter, go out with your wife, do a ride. Like I'm sure a bunch of guys are like, wow, your bi- wife rides bikes with you. Yeah. And it's really fun. By yeah. the way, it's, it's she's awesome. killer on the climbs. It's, not it's so always good a question climbs, of priorities. But... You know, yeah. How much enjoyment do you want? How much uh, competitive edge do you want? You know, where, where's the balance? But, and yeah. Another going back to, uh, was it John last time? A good point in this is that like right now we're going to go the district, um, cyclocross champs, but that's not like something that is near and dear to my heart. Yeah. I really want to race road next year and do well on that and mountain bike <laughs> at the same time, which is going to be hard to do. Mountain but, biking always comes in a little more later to the end of the year. So it's easy to front load the, the year with road racing in the U S yeah. The people who are competitive enough to be able to actually compete year round 
are typically, I mean, you're high level athletes. I mean, they're the people who are either paid to do it or are so good at it that, yeah. that, uh, you know, they, they do quite well, but, uh, most of us don't, don't necessarily fall into that, that, that class of athlete. Yeah. We need some variation. Uh, that's for sure. And, and I actually, that's I, what it is. Variation. Variation. Like, yeah. That's it. And I included this because I think there are a lot of, I, I know there are a lot of people signing up for trainer road right now, uh, and getting started with us and they may be wondering that same thing. So if you're listening or if other people are asking, you can let them know, uh, no, it's not as if you can, you're limited to just doing the, following these training plans inside, you'll get more benefit. Like we've talked about, there's certain workouts, the ones with less specificity that are easier to do outside. Um, but by all means, the, the goal, our goal is just to make you a faster cyclist. And we know that the best way to do that is when you're on the trainer. Yeah, I know? think the, the best thing too, is all of us ride outside still. Oh, like, of course we don't, it's not hundred percent inside. Although I think the majority of the quality of our training adaptions happen inside. Yes. That yes. That's true. very yeah. accurate. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to Paul's question. He says, could you please describe uh, with power as a percentage of FTP an effective Ironman workout lasting no more than 90 minutes and a half Ironman workout lasting no more than 90 minutes. Um, and then he says, give also give your thoughts on why they would be effective. Yeah. So Paul, this, this is another uh, question that boils back down to, what are you training? I mean, we're not, uh, we're, we're looking for a particular physiological response. We want your body to be capable of doing something and to be able to do that thing doesn't mean you have to do exactly that thing. So to, to ride a five hour Ironman bike split doesn't mean you have to go out and learn how to ride really hard for five hours. We're, we're conditioning physiology that allows you to do that. We can go about it a lot of different ways. Um, it's really hard for me to pick a single 90 of either of those uh, that will work specifically to that end without noticing that they, they all overlap. I mean, one of those workouts for the half Ironman is going to benefit the Ironman and, and vice versa. So we're basically just trying to, to build a strong, capable body. And what you apply that to doesn't have to be as specific as you're making it. Hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. It's, and to a kind of, um, you know, the base build specialty that we kind of talk about, mm -hmm. it sounds like he's asking for one workout. Like I want just one that I can do. Yeah. Um, and there's, and there, we, the, the really, it's a time of year. Yeah. And as you get close to the race, it's going to change a little bit. I would say if you only had a one workout okay. to do for the rest of your life, <laughs> which it, is not a realistic scenario, exactly, not, it would be <laughs> but it's two, fun to entertain. two by 20 at threshold with five minutes rest in between for this type if of If you racing. only like for any type of racing, yeah, if that know, was the I'd, only thing you I would veer more do. towards sweet spot just cause I think there's even if it's just one it, forever, it's almost as much bang for your buck with sweet spot effort at a reduced intensity level. What, yeah. what, what length intervals would you do? Probably the same thing you just recommended, like a two like by 20. And if you couldn't 90. do it right away, you know, work up to it, which is, you know, flies in the face of doing a single workout, but yeah, just do a two by 20, uh, geez, even a three by 20 sweet spot. And, yeah. and uh, just, what do you think? Like 90, that, keep raising 90 your FTP. Then? Mm -hmm. yep. so that's a miserable way yeah, to actually life. that would the, the <laughs> thing about that too if you do two by 20 you are cooked if you're fatigued at all you're gonna not finish like we yeah. talked about sore no, legs yeah. it's you're not gonna do it but the sweet spot one that's actually my go-to half ironman one is yeah. i go i've worked up to five 20 minute intervals and you can surprisingly come back and do that workout the next day yep. you might not be real happy real happy to do it but you can do it that's the benefit of sweet spot is the fact that you're getting a lot of the benefits that you get with that threshold work, but I'm, I'm changing my answer. You're right, Chad. If it's, yeah, Chad's right as <laughs> usual. Um, but doing, yeah, that's, that sounds really good actually. And once again, that's a very unrealistic scenario. So, but so for Paul, he could just, 
That's a good example. Three by 20. Three by 20, 10 minute breaks, you know, good warm up, no, I don't, cool down. 10 minute might be excessive. Uh, yeah, actually it would be. Five minute breaks. Yeah. And then if he doesn't have enough time for that, he could two even. Two by 20. Uh, two by 20 or even. Five by 10. Four minute breaks, three minute breaks. <laughs> there are a lot of ways to go about it, but um, longer sweet spot intervals. Yeah. He could even. But there's, I mean, more, there's more to life, Paul. Look honestly, beyond. for 90 minutes, he could hold 90% the whole time. So, Ugh. I mean, you could. Yeah, maybe. You, you yeah, that and Paul, awful. there is more to life. I'm going to leave it at that because <laughs> this is making me sad. Just thinking of doing that one workout for the rest of my life. So, uh, Creso, he says, hi guys. First to tell you, I am super stoked with your podcast. And I'm thinking you're growing beyond trainer roads platform with all of these, uh, talks and provided values. Awesome. Thanks, man. Uh, after a few years of training with trainer road, uh, with virtual power on my elite super chrono power fluid. And he says, yeah, they could make the name a little shorter. I agree. It's lengthy. Uh, he says a great success. I got much more into understanding the benefits of training with power. I was planning to make some upgrades on my bike for next season. Uh, the wider wheels, wider tires, different saddle. But after checking the market for power meters, I found prices are much closer to my wallet than last year. My only concern is possibility to use the same power meter on different bikes. And I don't mean switching between two road bikes, but switching power meters between a road bike and a mountain bike. I pretty much use both bikes the same, but on the trainer while using trainer road, I exclusively ride on my road bike. The problem is I cannot justify buying a power meter to use, uh, on only one of my bikes. Is there a chance to use empty or mountain bike cranks on a road bike? And in that way to have the option to switch, uh, cranks with the stages power meter. I know the first difference would be wider Q factor on my road bike than, in, uh, than what I have now. But from what I saw on the internet, there are mountain bike cranks with different Q factors. And that part is true. There are different Q factors. The other concern, uh, is possibly to use, or, uh, other concern is the possibility to use mountain bike crank set on road bike, bottom brackets. And here's where I lost myself in endless options. All of us agree with that. Uh, bottom brackets are confusing. Could you please help me to clarify this? So I have a clear picture of what is possible and what is not. Thank you in advance. And sorry for the longer question. Best regards, Chris. This is for you, Jonathan. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't recommend doing that. And the main reason is gearing. Well, what about, so yeah, changing cranks, I don't think is going to work, but what mm -hmm. about just the crank arm? Can you just change the you crank can. arm? You can. So, Ooh. so this is what I would recommend getting SRAM cranks. Um, uh, but SRAM has the same, basically it's the same crank arm. You can just get a stages. Um, carbon BB 30 crank arm or GXP, whichever bottom bracket you pick with them. And then you'd be able to switch that from bike to bike. If you have a SRAM crank set, um, so carbon you, crank set, would you need, uh, GPX on both or BB 30 on both? Yeah. You need to have the same bottom bracket on both. And the best way to think of that, to simplify it is GXP. That's just SRAM's way of saying threaded. And then BB 30 is just SRAM's way or the, the industry's way of saying oversized. And so, GX, yeah, so GXP is smaller. So mm -hmm. if he didn't have, if one was GXP and one was BB 30, mm -hmm. he can adapter and run a GXP crank set on his BB 30, his bigger one, right? Correct. You to wouldn't be able to, yeah, you wouldn't be able to buy the BB 30 cranks and then, and switch it over because obviously it, it wouldn't fit. It'd be too small. So go for GXP. If that's the case, or if both of your bikes are oversized bottom bracket, you're dialed with getting the BB 30 option as well. Um, and that would be the best way to use it. And the reason that I say you want to want to switch the whole cranks over is because the BCD, or in other words, the diameter of your, of your chain rings and where they mount to on your cranks is going to be different on a road bike and a mountain bike. Um, Shimano is trying to standardize this with their Dura Ace cranks. I saw, I don't think they'll standardize it across the mountain bikes, but 
And then I know SRAM is getting kind of close with their Force One crank set, but you still, with the Force One crank set, I think that the lowest you can go is a 38 tooth. And Nino Scherter runs a 38 tooth for mountain biking, and he's like the only one. <laughs> so hmm. it's it's really tough. Uh, 34, 32, 30, even 28 is more common for a mountain bike. So stages, crank arm would be a really easy one. Or I guess for that matter, um, maybe four eyes that they, I think they have, uh, power meters that might work like that. Uh, but single sided crank arm power meter that you could mount between two of them. That'd be yeah, the best a good bet. option. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pretty cool that we have those options now. Brandon says, hello, I'm a larger rider at 230 pounds and six feet. Uh, finding a training plan has been hard due to the fact that I'm mostly, or that most training plans are based on a slim body type. I've started racing crits more recently and on courses of sharp hairpin turns, I struggle due to the power it takes for me to rebuild speed after slowing considerably. What should I focus on during training? Yeah, Brandon, the plans are focused on, on any body type. So yeah. um, let's, let's just totally remo remove that from the considerations here and, and look at what the requirements of your sport are. And yeah, relative to, to your size, that uh, it doesn't really change things. I mean, basically you just need to be able to generate a bunch of Watts, um, from slow speeds. So you need a, a whole lot of force production and you know, a bit of snap. Um, yeah, it's harder to get yourself going faster when there's more weight to tow up to speed, but it just means you need more power. So, you know, whether or not you want to change your body composition and lose weight, or if you just, you know, maybe you're packed full of muscle, I don't, I don't know what your build is, but, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean, mean you have to change your body type such that you have to pick courses that are more suited to, to what you can and, and cannot do. Yeah. But I'm going to throw a hypothetical your way, Nate. What if, what if you just decided to get, get huge and turn into a weightlifter guy and you started weighing every time I look in the mirror and you, <laughs> <laughs> and you started weighing two, let's say 245 pounds, right? Yeah. And, and you're already tall. You're how tall again? Nate? I'm six foot six. That's, he's six. And right now six. this morning I was a 179. All right. That's good. I'm still fat. So you'd, you'd have to, <laughs> so think so. <laughs> so you have to gain fat. a bunch of weight to get to this point. It's all theoretical, <clears throat> but if you were getting ready for a season of crit racing and you had to pick a specialty plan, what would you pick? The crit plan. And if and I have one forty-five, or if I was down to one twenty-five, I'd pick the crit plan. You know, too, what I would do is I would pick races that were flat mm. and and not well, hair fern terms, I would go back and listen to the cliff bar, cliff bar episode about maintaining momentum, momentum inside yeah. of, inside of uh, corner. That's, and I would just work on that, but I would destroy some fools at, on a flat crit. <laughs> yeah. That was 245. That's where we're going with this, Brandon. There's a, a term horses for courses, courses for horses. So you look at, you know, what you're good at, what's your, your in this case, your body's built like and, and train accordingly or, yeah. and also consider how you want to race it too. You want to yeah. be pack fodder who sits in and conserves and, and launches a, a, 2k flyer to for a solo win waits for the bunch sprint or do you want to be the guy who takes the early flyer and guts it out do you want to be the guy who's chases premiums and settles back in i mean there's so many different ways you can approach a criterium um the criterium, eh, i'd like to think the criterion plan kind of addresses all of those but uh there, those considerations in mind and yeah do you can you can try brandon like those hair pin turns it's a lot easier if you're at the front Yes. Or close to the front because the farther are you back, speed. the bigger the yo-yo is and the more you like have to accelerate and yes. it's just going to be exaggerated. And even a hairpin, you can carry reasonable speed through a hairpin. I mean, yeah. if it's one lane versus two lane, of course that is going to influence a bit, but with proper gearing, you don't even have to mash a monster gear and practice yeah. hard standing starts. That's one thing that I was going to rec. And by all means that I can't recommend this cliff bar podcast enough for you. I think it was episode 24. I could be wrong on that, but uh, you can check it out there and we really go into depth on this, but since you're a bigger guy, 
Um, you should always be looking to the outside of the course a little more to carry more momentum through those turns because your momentum is your friend. And as a little mm -hmm. guy, I'm always going to be doing everything I can to ride off of your momentum because you'll be able to carry that speed right through a turn. So you should always be looking to broaden the angle of the turn. You should always be looking to, to put yourself in the right position so that you can carry that, that weight at a high speed and, and do little things uh, to give yourself that advantage. That's the cool part about crit racing. Not the the strongest guy does not win. Um, Maybe in some cases, but but in many cases he does not. It's about there's so many little things that you can do to optimize your output in that race. Yeah. So if he was um, on the inside of that, kind of in the back of the pack mm -hmm. of the inside turn, he's going to hate life. Right. Yeah, that's, that's where you those accelerations are killing you. Yeah. Even if you're geared for it, you have to wind up so much speed and accelerate so much mass, and and you do that Even depending on a, how many times over yeah. the course of you know 30, 40, 50 laps. Who knows what category oh. you are? Yeah. And John, then at one forty-five, that would be hard for you right? Oh, it'd be hard for me. And that's hard for yeah. anybody. It, and that's one of my strengths is being able to usually not this year in cyclocross, unfortunately, but usually I'm able to just put out effort after effort after effort. But I still, when I'm in a, in a, in a crit, I make sure that I'm doing everything I can to not go into those reserves, to not put myself in that situation. Cause eventually if I'm going to try to win that race, I'm going to force that hand, but it better not be forced upon me before that. Side note for a second. Are you going to race crits next year, Jonathan? Yeah. Lots of them. Chad? Yep. Yeah, I'll probably do the whole local series. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to permission from the <laughs> wife to kind of because it's Tuesday nights and you pretty much have to miss the whole night with the yes, family. The whole night's mm -hmm. well, yeah, if you, don't you race your, the A's, it's the whole night because we have C's start first, then B's, then A's, like even, most. Even B's because they get done at like six thirty-seven, then my kids go to bed and <laughs> yep, yeah. Yeah, so it absorbs your evening. That's for yeah. sure. It does. But yeah, I'll be racing. And for my goals will be mountain bike racing and crit racing is perfect preparation for mountain bikes. So and you're obviously both guys are racing the A's. Yes. Um, I'm thinking about starting in the B's. I know I've won the B series before, but that was a long time ago. We'll see what your FTP is before we allow you to make this decision. Yeah, Chad and, so I, what, Chad and I might override whatever you decide. <laughs> but I, let me just win some races, guys. <laughs> what, so what would be too high of a FTP? I, we've talked about this before and it kind of breaks down. I, I'm guessing it would be this way with any local race series where, you know, if you're like 3.5 watts a kilogram, you're probably better suited to the C's, 4, 4 watts a kilogram, move up to the B's, 4.5, move up to the A's. All that can slide down a full slot depending on how you want to ride it to. Are you in it to ride fast with faster guys or are you in it to win it? In the course too. Yes, yes, courses certainly. definitely depend too. Yeah, I've won a, a B. I think the B's are faster now than they were before. But at only three point three watts a kilo, mm -hmm. I can win crits with smart racing. Sure, yep. when they're flat, when I was heavy, because when I was heavy, the FTP was around two ninety three hundred. Yeah, that strength to weight ratio matters less and less depending on the course. So, so we don't have to necessarily put it in those terms either. You can just look at raw FTP and what sort of speed you can generate and you know hold. True. I'm, I want to. Uh, I got to say this on the podcast so it's recorded. I want to start next year racing at. 340 FTP. Wow. That, that means you're racing A's. We, yeah, you're, we you're can't in good conscience. No, you're not racing I want to have my S-Works Venge Vias, <laughs> and I'm going to put on it like a skin speed suit and my arrow helmet. <laughs> just no. go off the front. Then you definitely can't be in the B's with 344 that 344 now. No, there's plenty, of, there's plenty of sandbaggers in the B's that <laughs> I can That's the uh, truth. There's always sandbaggers, but you can't be one of them. Let's get into Brian's question. He says, hey, guys, I'm really enjoying the podcast. I've been binge listening uh, to episodes over the past week. Intelligent conversation between you guys satisfies the exercise physique 
theology nerd in me. Thanks. Intelligent, thanks. Sometimes. Yeah, not really. Yeah. Not today. Yeah. Uh, I recently acquired a cross bike. Uh, I'm a bit too much of a wimp to race cross, <laughs> but, I, but I greatly enjoy the adventure riding with the road bike couldn't afford me. For the fall and winter, my only bike is the cross bike since I swapped most of the road parts over, and I'm beginning the sweet spot, uh, and I'm about to begin the sweet spot base uh, training plan in preparation for the road season. However, I'm wondering if my FTP would be or would not be optimal on the cross bike considering the fit geometry and equipment differences like crank arm length, reach, etc. Is it still okay to do a few months of training on my cross bike, then switch back over to the road bike? Would my FTP need to be reassessed when I do that? Would my power and fitness be adversely affected if I did a lot of base on this cross bike? Uh, so I would only reassess FTP just because it's been three months and you should do it anyway. Um, as far as FTP differing between bikes, it'd have to be a pretty big change in geometry to yeah. affect your FTP. And I'm talking like sitting up on a mountain bike versus going down to a aero position on a TT bike. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. And this is another one of those icings on the cake, icing on the cake sort of scenarios that we're talking about. These are the things that you start worrying about when you've maxed out most of the other easy gets. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't think there's any uh, adverse effect to this. Not one that's going to amount to anything significant. The main difference you're going to see between that cross bike and that road bike is a relaxed head tube angle. Uh, it's going to be, so their forks are a little more raked out in front of you. Um, and then you're going to see a more straight across or taller top tube that won't affect, that may affect rigidity, but it's not going to affect your position on the bike at all. And in some cases they have, uh, then they'll have like slightly shorter chain stays. Once again, that's not going to affect, uh, your power output. So I know with cyclocross, a lot of people run their saddles slightly lower. And even if you watch the world cup, you'll see a lot of those guys, they, they're running a fairly low saddle height compared to roadies. Um, so that's maybe, that would be the only, and then slightly higher bars some run just to get a little more leverage. Yeah. And those that are things that are all going to come more into play as you get closer to the actual competitive events. Yeah. And there's such small differences that I would not see those affecting power output. You know? The only thing that I, it doesn't, I've gone at different crank lengths on different bikes, but I wouldn't necessarily get a different crank length between your cross bike and your yeah, road bike. Yeah, keep them the same. In fact, I'm the and same, he said by he the has way. different ones. I'm the same across the board. I don't know about you guys. And I, I know that I a lot of people do it different, but, and I, I run shorter cranks. I'm 170 on all of my bikes. Um, and really the main motive is my main goal is mountain biking. And I want shorter cranks there to avoid as many pedal strikes as possible. Um, well, I'm, I'm interested in the idea of a shorter crank length for my TT bike, just cause it would allow me to keep a wider hip angle. I've done that. I went down to 165 mm -hmm. just for that. So I could have a wider or a, a larger hip angle. And how'd that work out? I didn't really notice any difference. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So That's, it's, yeah. that, that would be one thing though, Nate, uh, I don't know how much it would affect the, diff the your FTP, but that could certainly affect it because there we're talking about your legs actually where they're, but we're also talking about pretty extreme positions there too, where you might have to make changes like that in order to accommodate right. something like that. Yeah. A so position like that. Being the owner of multiple bikes, I have, uh, <laughs> between mountain road cross, um, the only time that I see anything affecting my power output is when I'm on a TT bike and I'm folded over aggressive yeah. and my hip angle is shortened. Shut down. Anything else, I don't really see any difference in my FTP. Although I do, whatever season I'm in, like right now I'm in cross season, so the cross bike's on the trainer and it just feels more natural right. when I'm in a race. Right. 
And then because uh, the a feel thing, just a not necessarily bit, an know. efficiency thing, as well, yeah. like just a feel. Yeah, thing. just everything feels normal. Then, yeah, no, that's an important point too. You don't want to train on one bike and then grab a different bike to go race that weekend. That's that that unfamiliarity is it can be uh, tough. Even just you might like be able to angle. adapt to it perhaps to yeah. a certain degree, but, but even like the angle of the handlebars, yeah. like it just feels yeah. different, and yeah. and it just you're like it's like I'm wearing someone else's clothes. This is kind of weird. And then yeah. after a little bit of riding, it feels the same. But right, uh, that's the that's what I do. Last question from Phil. He says, what are the elements of being a winning road racing cyclist, crits, road races, and time trials? Can you guys lend your experience and insight to break this down into a few categories? Huh. Uh, so uh, number one, Phil, is versatility. Obviously, if you want to be good at all those things, you have to be a pretty versatile rider. So, you know, it's a time trial. Well, you got to have big FTP um, or you know, good strength to weight. If they're, you know, hilly TTs, road races, crits, they're such mixed bags that you have to be good at a lot of things. And again, it, it goes back to how do you want to race them? Sit in, you know, I, I described the different ways you can approach a race. So depending on how you want to race them, you can be a little less versatile, but you have to be good at everything. Hmm. It's really hard to at a at a low level, like if I go into the bees, not not that the bees are really low super low level, but it's kinda easy to win that. But once you get to a high level, people become specialists and it's really hard to be an excellent crit time trialist and then do well on a hilly road race. But it? even then, I mean you pick, you know, pick what's best, you know, what's your strength, um, and, and exploit that strength. Certainly. Um, whether or not you address your your limiters or your weaknesses in your training, obviously when it comes time to race, you're going to do what you're best at. So in, in my case, and when it comes to stage races, I'm, I'm best at time trialing. So, you know, I, that's where I focus most of my in training with the intention of growing my FTP up to a point where I can dominate the time trial and protect my lead in, in the other events. Doesn't mean I don't address the other aspects of my fitness and, and spend a bit of time on those limiters. I still want to have a good sprint. I still want to be able to jump away or onto something. Uh, I still yeah. want to you know, obviously learn how to ride my bike well and, and fluidly and preserve momentum like we were talking about, et cetera. I break this into three categories. There's the physical performance side, the mental performance side, and then I would break it into bike handling side of things. And on the mental side of things, I'll start with that. Um, you have to be patient to be a good road racer. That's one thing that's perhaps different than other, um, other genres of racing, uh, you have to be very patient. Um, the type of rider that knows when to make that type of a move and there's no solid answer on when to attack or when to make that move. It's highly contextual and variable. It's going to change all the time, but if you know how to read a race and you're familiar and you know, the people you're racing around, once again, the cliff bar podcast really touches on this, then that should help you be the type of racer that's patient enough to not attack all the time. Um, that's a mark of a good road racer is one that, it, that only places the attacks in the need physically to be a good road racer that could challenge for GC. Cause that's really what he's talking about when we're talking about crits, road races, and time trials. Um, you need to be the, uh, like threshold is going to reign supreme. If you have a higher FTP and you're focusing on that type of stuff. Yeah. That's actually a point. I, if I can just interject real quickly, yeah. um, FTP is King. You have a big FTP. You have a lot more options available mm -hmm. to you and power to weight ratio. Yeah, certainly. And yes. with GC, we're in most cases, unless I guess you're in Nebraska or something and it's pan flat or something, you might be able to get yeah. away with it more. But in most cases, uh, a stage race like this will be, will be challenging with climbs. And then on the bike handling side of things, I would say that you have to be, um, 
and this is pretty straightforward, but you have to be the type of rider that knows how to react to things. Cause especially when you talk about stage races, it's different than a road race. When you get into a stage race and it ends with a criterium or a road race and team tactics come into play, you're going to get shut down. You're going to get blocked in. You're going to have to really you can, know, depending on the category. Yeah. 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 I guess when you get up into the higher stuff, it, it definitely, the team tactics come into play a little more. So you've got to be the type of rider that can keep a cool head, um, on the bike in terms of bike handling and, and, and react appropriately to that stuff. So to me, uh, number one is just consistency. Mm. Just the guys that, and girls that are really fast. And it's really, you're just talking about being fast. That's what it yep. general are doing things six days a week yep. for three years in a row. Like how many, 10 years in a row. Yeah. How many people yeah. do you know that actually do that and don't miss things? And when they go on travel, they get their workout in. And when, when life gets hard, they don't skip that. They make it a priority. There's not many. And the people that do do that are, do do that <laughs> are, um, they're at the top. There's yes. how often do you see someone that like trains effectively uses trainer road and works out <laughs> six days a week. Nice plug. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> works out like six days a week and doesn't get fast. Yeah. It, like it yeah. doesn't happen. No, it, it doesn't. I, I occasionally I'll see a triathlete friend or something who does all these workouts, but they're all just like kind of slogging around and it's kind of, they're all yeah. group workouts. No real structure. There's yeah. No... It's kind of a social aspect. Like yeah. they go to every group training thing there is and yeah. just kind of hang out, talk right. while they're working out, you know, do all that kind of stuff. But the people that are killing it and they're consistent, and they're they productive. are exactly. They're fast all the time. Yeah. Um, also, I don't think there's a, from you guys, can you think of anyone who's a, a great road cyclist who isn't pretty, at least not as super cautious about the nutrition, but takes nutrition into account who just yeah. kind of eats like McDonald's not I mean, even like, like, Chris, like Chris Horner for years, you know, touted this, this awful diet yet he performed well, but then what, what happened when he changed his diet and wins the, the Vuelta España? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, and also it's vitally the, important. A lot of the pros throw that out there on purpose. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Like Phil Guyman, uh, love you, man. And you were on this podcast and you love cookies, but I guarantee you that Phil wasn't just eating bins of cookies all day. You know, it's, I know that's his thing, but it's, that's just how Yeah, it's mind games. Exactly. Yeah. Honestly, I, it, yeah. excellence in any uh, sporting endeavor will come back to a foundation or a basis of, of nutrition. Yeah, it's true. It just will. Yeah. I mean, what you put into your body is what you get out in terms of performance. So. Uh, little backstory. So we can end on this one. <laughs> nice. Um, I used to shoot in high school, like competitively, we had a high school team and our high school had a range in it. Did I tell you guys a story yet? Mm. Okay. So nice. we, we'd go and do competitions at other schools and it was always like, we were always third place in the district. So the other, the top two, they always creamed us and we always creamed everybody else, but you'd go to the high rank schools and they would put you in a room and they would give you Red Bulls and cookies and cake <laughs> and all this stuff. Um, it's kind of weird because they, they want you to get all this sugar and kind of caffeine in your body because you're going to have a low. Exactly. Shooting. Severe low. It, they, just shoot, want, well, they just wanted to sleep on the bus on the way home. <laughs> well, no, they want you during your shooting for your body to have like a little bit of a shake and a little yeah. bit of a twitch. Yeah. Yeah. And they would have a special room. You'd go in there and the lights would be off. Everyone would be like head on pillow and kind of napping. This it's, is the high-end teams? Yes, yeah, the high-end teams. And they yeah. would, they, I mean, they'd have like bows, noise-canceling headphones. My, my point being that it's like, it's, you said that all sport is nutrition. It's funny. Like we always talk about, it's the only sport where you don't do anything like shooting. Like <laughs> yeah. you want to just be still as possible. You could probably be 300 pounds, but as long as your heart rate actually wasn't too much like pumping your arms up. Yeah. 
but it's it's kind of interesting. Yeah, nothing new with cycling, but interesting nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not so not so easy for us. We have a lot to do. So thanks for submitting your questions. You can do so at trainerroad.com/podcast. You can use the hashtag AskTrainerRoad on different social platforms, and on you can find us on Snapchat at TrainerRoad and ask your questions there as well. Uh, you can leave us reviews wherever you're listening to this podcast. Chances are you can probably review it on whatever you're listening, uh, uh, on whatever tool you're listening to it. Uh, that, that didn't make sense, but you got what I meant. So leave us a review. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you all next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.